What up, what up, what up everyone? Welcome to episode 36 of Combo's Court and I am Combo. Grab some body armor and a pair of Combo Christmas socks and you'll be good to go for the holiday season. Today's show, former NBA player Rafer Austin, aka Skip to My Lou, joins in to chop it up with Combo. We talk about everything from growing up in New York City, the and one mixtape days, Skip's extensive NBA career, plus so much more. Big shouts to Skip to My Lou and DJ Don DeMarco. You know you can follow me on IG at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe right on your Apple Podcast app. For all of you that use an Android phone, we are now available on Spotify. Shout out to the Spotify community. Grab a combo shake and enjoy the show. Let's get into it. Growing up in Queens, man, <laughs> it's the good, the bad, and the indifferent, I, I would say, man. You know, uh, living in the south side, Jamaica, Queens, you know, you just it's a battle just to, to grow up. Uh, you know, so much going on, you know, with, with right. outside in your neighborhoods. You, you, you know, as a kid, you know, you just, you're a young kid, you're just trying to find your way. You're growing up. Uh, you know, you're, you're in love with basketball, but you're also noticing, you know, different things going on outside, you know, so you start to become in love with and and, and fascinated with what's going on in the streets. So, you know, it's, 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 right. it's tough to navigate through, you know, as a kid, man. And, and you know, it, it can affect all, all, all type, you know, all of us growing up in, in those neighborhoods, man. But, you know, growing up basketball- right. It was tough, you know. We, we it's so many good players every day, different parks uh, that you play in the South Side of Bay Queens. It's always some tough players to play against. Right? Did you feel like at one point you had to make a decision, like I'm going to focus on basketball now, or it was just like well, you? No, were well, for me, it's hard. Tennis, you know? Know? For me, it was hard. You know, my decision really ain't come until yeah. I was done with high school and I was headed to junior college. So, growing up, it was like you know what, I hang out with this in the streets. You know, when you grow when you grow up in broken homes, you grow up with just your mom, your dad not around, your mother working uh relentlessly and tirelessly, uh, you know, you just you you trying to figure out what you're gonna do. Oh. You know, uh right. You know, so sometimes you succumb you succumb to street life and different things, uh, you know, playing C low on the street corners and things like that as a way of uh, you know, earning a dollar. Right. So uh what age did you start playing and where did where did it begin for you? Uh, I started playing at five years old. I mean, I, I mean, wow. my, my mom, my, uh, my dad, and at the time, and a couple of kids in the neighborhood, we were, I, was, I was living on American Linden at the time. Okay. And St. Elmo's Park was right there. So we would walk across the big street and, and go to St. Elmo's Park. And then three years later, man, we was able to go across the street and go to the park ourselves. Uh, right. Then I then, then I moving on, moving to uh, Sufton, uh, 118 in Sufton when I was like 11. Uh, okay. For the next three years, I lived over there. Uh, you know, I lived in 118 Park. I always walked to, to the park right there on 118 and, and 155, which is like 
connected to like the Baisley Park, right next to Baisley. The Baisley and you Park. just and you just played all day, right? Pretty much, pretty much, man. Yeah. But but ours, you know, we played all day. Summertime, we would get up and play in there. Uh, but I always played on diff- different basketball teams and different basketball leagues. You know, I I was pretty good at my age, at 11, 12, 13. I was pretty – I was uh, – let's say I was a lot better than my peers. <laughs> right, right. Like, it, it, back then, we used to just play all day. I mean, obviously, there was teams – well, I mean, you're a little bit older than me, but even when I was young, there wasn't as many trainers and stuff. So do you feel like in this day and age that with the training, the kids aren't developing the feel for the game or the IQ – as when you were growing up, I think the IQ more than more than anything, they're not developing the IQ of the game. Right. It, the ones you know, the ones that just solely believe in train the, a trainer, those are the ones right, that are not right. developing the IQ. Now you got kids that train and they play. You know what I'm saying? So very those important. Are the that, very important. Those are the kids yeah. that, and if you notice, when it comes to college basketball, and they recruit these high school kids now. It's a big drop from the top uh, top fifty recruits than the rest of them. You know, it's a, you know what I mean? Right. It's a big difference between R.J. Barrett, Zion Winston, and then the guys that's the number 80th or number 90th ranked kid. You know, it's, it's a big dip. Definitely. I think because there's a focus on the top kids now. Yeah, yeah, that too. I yeah. think the kids yeah. on the top, it's a reason them kids are on the top. <laughs> right, right. I, but back in the day, obviously, there was, they are great teams. Like, I'm sure you were you had a bunch of great AU teams, but now I feel like the best really play against the best all the time. You know what I mean? It, you know, I think it's because of the, you know, so much of the shoe companies have some influence of that. You know, there's right, a lot of right. teams that might not play against those teams because they're not on that circuit. You know what I'm right. saying? So it's, it's a lot, man. It's so political now, and it's so it's so watered down, and it's, and it's so catered to certain players and certain kids, and, and then the other kids are uh, – left behind when it comes to that. So it's 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 weird. Um when we you know when like I can say when I was coming up, everyone played against everyone. But but it wasn't that many teams as it is now. Right. You know. Oh hundred percent. Like New York City, you you knew you had the Gauchos, the Riverside, you had uh Long Island Panthers, Gary Charles had his team. Then you had a couple of other little teams around. But you knew you knew your five or six best teams. And they always stood out no matter what tournament, no matter what boroughs it was in. Right. I'm from New York. You're from New York. And we know that even dudes that don't play basketball have a handle. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, every, everybody could dribble the basketball. But what separated you from everybody else when it came to handle? Was it working on your game? Was it just playing a lot? Was it something you were born with? Can you kind of speak to that? It, it was everything. It was everything. Yeah. I, I had a God gift of – actually, you know, I had a God gift of understanding the game of basketball uh, at a young age. Right. I just flat out understood how to play the game. And and, and, and the main thing was I knew how to win. I knew how to go get a win. Um, but as far as handling the ball, that came from playing every day, uh, seeing different traps and different defenses that, you know, and, and once I, I go to the park early in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning and play, and I come back in the house around noonish, one ish to get a little quick sense. I run back to the park and, I'll, I'll leave the park. <laughs> right. I'll come back from the park around six p.m., but I'll stand in front of my building and just dribble the ball, keep dribbling the ball. You know, yeah. It, it was a, for sure. I think just being relentless with the, with the, with the, with the dribble. For real, like when kids ask me, like, how do I get my handle better? I just tell them dribble your basketball everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? That's a great way to do it, right there. Yeah, I, I, it's a, and one thing about the kids now, they're they're 
afraid to make a mistake. So for us, like you said, we both grew up in New York City. If we drove the week, right. like say, if your mother, if, if our mother or father sent us to the corner store, we drove our ball to the store. Oh, everyone. You know what I'm saying? And we, we didn't care if the ball hit our foot and ran, went into the middle of the street. We just going to say, hey, man, we just going to hold our hand. I'm like, call man, slow down. Let me get my basketball. So nowadays, these kids are right. afraid to make a mistake. So if you if they drew the ball in the street and just in front of the house, they're afraid the ball go in the middle of the street. They don't even want to do it no more. Oh, you don't know how many basketballs got ran over by cars yeah. like that? Uh, oh, my God, that pop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> man, it, 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 you know, and, 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 and it's so crazy. You know, for us, we just went and got a new basketball. And I'm not talking about our parents bought a new ball. <laughs> we just definitely to, we just went to the park playing, and before you know, we just slid off with a basketball, and we that ball. <laughs> we totally forgot about that ball that just got ran over and popped in the middle of the street. Or if you were playing three on three or five on five, and your basketball was on the side, there's a good chance. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. If you put your ball on the side, there's a great chance you had that ball. That's why it's always good yeah, to play with good old days, man. Yeah, that's why it's always good to play right. with when we're gonna play my ball. So when the game, hey, let me get my ball, man. <laughs> um, Rucker Park, man. I had the chance to play in Rucker Park, but it wasn't quite the same as when you were playing. Can you speak to that experience, like how it was, people hanging off the the bridge? Like, what was that whole aura like for you, man? Believe it or not, man, I was young. I was like 15, 16, 17, around those ages, man. And you know, you're just a high school kid who loves playing ball. I'm from Queens, Queens. I we, you know, we would travel all the way up to Harlem to play. Believe it or not, man, I was I was just loving to play ball. You know, I, I didn't really think right. of it until, it, you know, the summer was over or, 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 or uh, I think like around, around the time I, my last days of playing in Rucker before I went to Juco in California, and you're in Kajunica, and you realize, wow, man, you, I, I've, 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 I've had people drive from different states, uh, stop what they're doing in New York City and come – stand out there and watch me play. You don't, you know what I mean? Like I said, for myself, I never really thought too much of it, man. I just, for New York City, it was just, that's just part of our culture, man. You know, I remember I was in like 1989, right. I would go watch Rucker, watch guys play. I, back then, Future was the, the, the skit to my loo of Rucker then. You know, he was the youngest Malloy, guy. Malloy, man. He was the, Malloy, good dude. <laughs> he was the youngest guy out there playing with all the old dudes. He, you know, and I would go out there and watch. And, and, and you know, he was on the same team with Carlton Hines, God bless the day, and when they team played, it was the it was the game to see. But one guy that I love to go see, you know, back in 89 was uh Dancer Doogie. Okay. I heard of him. I heard of him. Yeah, for sure. It, it kind of reminded me of myself, man. Dancer Doogie would come in, play the game, and take off. That was it. You know, that's how I was. I come in, play ball, do what I do, electrify the crowd. I couldn't wait to get in the car and go back to Queens, man. <laughs> it, it's fun. It, it's funny because I have a similar experience to you. So I grew up in Riverdale, um, a Jewish section of the Bronx. Right. I know and, um, I'm Riverdale. Okay, so I used to get down to Dykeman to watch games when I was young, and Future was playing. I think he was playing with Shane as well, who played with you on the tour. Right. And they turned on the music and they, and they started dancing, and I'm like, I got to be a part of this, man. This this is like the greatest thing I've ever seen. You know what I mean? They started dancing mid-game. I'm like, yeah, one day I'm going to play in this tournament. And all, and when I got older, I ended up playing. And it was just a great experience, man, just seeing that. And that's something I'll never forget, future dancing. Oh, definitely, man. Definitely, man. I, I think over time, that was their thing. That was, you know, Shane, the future's thing, man, is that, right. you know, a certain point in the game, when they got the lead, you know, that was their thing to keep. You know, that's the beauty of – summer ball in New York City, especially when I was in future play, I was playing Shane, a lot of us, is that 
we just wanted to give the crowd something other than just an ordinary bachelor game. Right. And I think that's why, you know, people fell in love with the with, with the street ball and, and it's fell in love with some of us as, as individual players. Right, definitely. So what made you decide to take the JUCO route? Well, I wasn't uh I was you know, I was one of the guys that was in high school, wasn't attending every day. You know, again, like okay. I tell you, that's the part of growing up in New York City, man, and then growing up in Southside Bay Queens is that you know, you fall you can fall victim to, you know, hanging out and being in the streets and chasing young girls, you know, doing all the things that you right, right. shouldn't be doing when you're trying to chase a, a career in sports, you know. So the the thing for me was to get far away from New York City and and, and, and concentrate on things that I did concentrate on. And, you know, the rest is history, man. It worked out. It definitely did. Um, So that, that California JUCO scene, it, it's their own thing, right? It's not connected to it's the, the rest of the thing. junior college world. It's it's their own thing. They have their own. It's so many JUCOs out there because California is so big. They have their own thing, man. California Community College uh, Association. And that must have been a great experience for you just seeing a new place, you know, because when we're in New York City, it's like such a bubble, you know, and we don't realize there's an outside world. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, to this day, I talk to people about that, like New York City, because we're, we're, we're such a big city and we're one, of the, we're one of the best cities in all of the United States. It, we, you know, growing up. In the world. You know, we we world. think of basketball. You know, we think when you play in New York City, we think we're the best in all the other cities. Oh, yeah. Nothing to us until you travel and you realize, wow, this is where all these different players and come from. All these different, you know, Midwest, Southern, out West cities and states. So, you know, it, 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 but California was good, man. It, it's just a different way of life, man. It's kind of, you know, I was in Ventura first. It's more a lot of New a lot of New Yorkers go there. back, you know that, and that was the beauty of when I went out there, man. I saw different guys from Brooklyn and different JUCOs out there. Right. So uh, even I, you know, when I went to Ventura Junior College, I had guy on my team from Florida, Chicago. So you know, you be it was it was amazing just to go way out there and see so many different people come out there, you know, to to, to continue their, their their basketball dream. Right. So so out of junior college, what schools are recruiting you and um. What made you decide to go to Fresno State? More out west schools recruiting me. You know, when you because you're way out there, more of the East Coast, they're not coming out there to to, to see you because they can go to all the other JUCOs near them. So more right. West schools, you know, the Fresno State, USC, Long Beach State, uh, you name them, man. You name them. I, I was a JUCO All America. I was one of the best players out there on the West Coast. Uh, right. I was getting like 18, 19 points a game, eight, nine assists a game, you know, four or five steals a game, you know, shooting at a high clip. You know, right? Anything and everything I wanted to do with the with them boys out there. So, um, I was gonna recruit about them all, but Fresno came in when Coach Talk went to Fresno. Uh, it was almost like a no brainer, you know, to play with right. somebody that you watch coaches, watches UNLV teams over the years in the, in the early nineties, mid nineties. So it was like it was almost like a no brainer for me. It's like you know what, I might as well go here. You know, I fit what yeah. I wants to do, and and I know I'm gonna play right away coming out of JUCO. Right, and I actually had Larry Johnson on my podcast, and he has such great things to say about Tark. What did you learn from Tark? Man, you know, the, 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 I learned a lot, man. You know, you, one thing you learn from is you learn how to work hard all the time. Uh, you also learn who really cares about you, and Tark is one of those guys. He's gonna go to bat for for all of us, whether you know whether we're in the right or in the wrong. You know, one thing about coaches, if he recruited you and brought you out there, he's not going to leave you all hung out to dry. You know, if you get a speeding ticket or you get jammed up uh, in, in school, 
his thing is right. You, yeah, you will be suspended from playing, but when we don't want to kick you out the school, you know, he felt that's the easiest thing to do. Like if you know, if you notice now, you look at all these so-called coaches and colleges, a kid could get a speeder ticket, and they want to throw them kids right out of school. I know, and then the the, be- the, the terrible part about that is, is that they're they're telling the parents that we're gonna like take care of your kid, and then you know they kick them out for something so small. Exactly, the the slightest thing. You know they're gonna kick him out. You know if a kid was drinking, if he if he had a if he had a a drink, they want to throw a cat of school instead of helping the kid, instead of working with the kid. You know what I'm saying? You know once they after they do all like they all like, after they do everything they need to do to get you there, that's that. You know if you get in any trouble, you're on your own. You get in the slightest thing, and that's that wasn't talk's thing. You know and talk was one of the greatest coaches, man. Talk knew knew he knows basketball. Uh, he won a lot of games, won championships. You know talk fought the NCAA and won. You know, and that's another thing Coach told us is that he talks about the NCAA. He said, "Look, they're gonna go after the people that they're gonna they want to go after. You know, they're gonna pick and choose who they're gonna go after." And he wasn't he wasn't wrong. You know, if you look at today, you know, you got big time schools. Uh, I remember reading uh, with uh, North Carolina uh, where they was the kids were taking false classes or something, a bunch of African American study classes or something like that. Right, you know, and the professors, there was a couple of students, a couple of they admitted, you know, basically they admitted that you know we were cheating, right, and nothing was right. done about it. Can you imagine if St. John's admitted that? Can you imagine if a small school admitted that? They would, they, they'll be done. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Um, I wanted to take it back to the N one mixtape, man. They used to, we used to, uh, go buy a pair of N one kicks and get that video. How did that? How did that whole? Because it was like a movement. How did that change your life, or did it even? Did you even notice how big it was for you? You know, it was not not just myself with and one. It was for all of us that was involved. You know, right. you know the craziest thing that we talk about that to this day. We had no idea it would take off like that. Uh, we had no right, idea how much money we was going to make a a, a a a brand that was only that started with t-shirts. You know, and you know the mixtape tour was and one's. Uh, we 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 brought in all the money for and one. Right. No, no, nobody endorsing it. You know, I don't, it, it didn't matter if they, if Marbury was endorsing it. I mean, we had, they had all kinds of people wearing it. Marbury, I don't know if it's Sprewell, Vince Carter. That didn't matter. The M1 mixtape tour brought in all the money for M1 and it make those people a lot of money. And for us, you know, we guys, a lot of those, a lot of the players, all of us, we were, you know, I remember we were guys playing in local tournaments in our neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? Right. Making, Five figures in a summer, you know, fifty, sixty thousand dollars in a summer. That's great money for. Us. <laughs> and we're not playing, and we're not doing no strenuous work. You know what I mean? Wait, just, just wait, just, just off playing street ball games. Yeah, we're just going around. We're just going around. That's great. Got a lot of guys are making five figures, some good money, just for you know doing what we do and getting free apparel. One thing I saw, right? Shout out to and one. They used to give us a lot of power. You know what I mean? A lot. We used, to, we used to come home. Every time we came home from a tour, we had boxes and boxes of uh, stuff. You know. Right. By, I would say by the fourth or fifth year, uh, we started, we had our reality show on on, on on ESPN. They would follow us. It was shown all over ESPN, and we were torn, and we were going a bit. You know, then we started, some guys, you know, the top guys, you know, we started getting six figures. Crazy. You know what I'm saying? But right. again, 
It had off street ball, off street ball. That's had we known what we were making for the company, we'd have, we'd have demanded a lot more money, you know. But it was some fun time. We had a lot of fun, man. There was no real issues with the company, no issues with each other. I mean, us making the money, it was just we had more issues with one another, you know, because you know, again, we young, we're not thinking properly. Um, we weren't schooled on the business of everything, so you know, st- we started thinking we we're bigger than the brand. And, you know, all of a sudden, that was the demise. Of Definitely, and you know, in the NBA, they tend to try to use things against you almost. Like, like let's say a player plays four years in college, right? They're like, uh, they use that against you almost. You know, like he has that potential. Yeah, now they do. So, do you feel like street ball was used as a strike against you when you were? Just getting into the NBA? Yes and no. I think I, I, I think with some – it depends on the coaches you have, man. It depends on the coaches. Right. Remember, you know, you get to the NBA, more than like you're dealing with like old school coaches. You know what I'm saying? So right. when I was playing, it was still so many old school coaches. They just caught up in the old way that they're just – they have tunnel vision. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got to remember this. A lot of the coaches, they don't like the city game. But yet they want to recruit city players. You come to New York, you don't really like the, the style of game we play, but you want us to come to your school and play. Right. Because evidently you really like the style of play, right? We you know, and, and and you just don't know how to blend it with your your uh game plan and style of play. Because that's all you have to do as a coach. You know what I mean? You take that kid's natural ability to be able to handle that ball, see the make make passes and, and all that. And you get him to fine tune his fundamentals and blend the blend the game, blend his game with the fundamental, and then you have a total you have a total package right there. That's a tough player to play against. Instead of just saying, right. instead of just saying, oh, I don't like all that, uh, this, that, the third. So I don't even. I'm not even going to play you. I'm going to play the other guy. Well, you don't want to win, right? And I always felt that New York City players thrive when they leave New York because there's less guys like them in those other places. You know what I mean? Like when you're in New York, you got ten people that want to handle the ball. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it, it's and it's also on the player. You know, can they make the right, right, right? You know, uh, one player, right, like one player right now, I got my eye on, and he's having a hard time. Is uh Isaiah Washington? You know, he's having a hard time. Okay, okay, yeah, adjustment, and that's the biggest thing. So, me, I always watch his games. I'm always, I don't know if I'm always gonna watch, and I always, and I try to here and there, I try to shoot him a call to just tell him just hang in there, right. You know what I mean? You're not the first per player to go through this, and you're not going to be the last. But it's it's finding a way to make the adjustment of being the guy everyone comes to see uh, in the playgrounds to really understanding how to incorporate the team game with your game. And, you know, and, and also understand it's about wins, getting the wins, and, and not about people, you know, about yourself. You know, it's a lot of the players in New York still used to have that. You wonder why a lot of them struggle with that stuff. Yeah. So what? So what do you tell? Like, what would you tell Isaiah Whitehead? Like, what do you feel like he needs to change? To, Washington to to blend in. No, not Isaiah Whitehead. Washington. Oh, Washington. Watch. Oh, Jelly Fam. Oh, I got Jelly you. Fam. The kid from Harlem. Yeah, Jelly Fam. Ah, Minnesota. Got yeah, you. Got you. So yeah, yeah. He's if you team. know that you're not know much about him at Minnesota. Right. Right. Right, his movement, his movement was almost bigger in high school off social media. Yeah, he reminded everybody, us you know. when we were young players with the with the movement. You know what I mean? 
It reminds me of oh, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was a young kid. Everybody I, that was a skip coming that skipped my loop. I didn't know. Like I tell you, you know, to go back to your earlier questions, I didn't know that was a movement back then. You know what I'm saying? And plus we didn't have the uh social media. hundred you know percent. Yeah, that changed the game. It's a movement, it's big. But which is which is great because it's kind of his 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 attention and his reach is almost in his own hands now, which is good. Yeah. You know what I mean? With social Look media. at what 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 is he doing in college? Right. And that's the scary part. It's like my thing with him is I think he I know he can do this. Is do he believe and is his mind clear to and, and you gotta get the you gotta get the you gotta get the movement out of your mind when you're playing at Minnesota. You know what I'm saying? So it, it goes back to what we're talking about New York City players and and, and making an adjustment and all that, like like you were saying. You know, a lot of players, even in the past, get caught up in all that. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to right. leave that where it's at. And that was big for me is that what helped me be able to leave it where it was at is I never really was caught up in it. You know what I'm right. I'm in the summertime right. and I left it at that. You know what I mean? And that's the part that people never understood about Skip to my little Ray Falls is that, oh, I left Skip where Skip was at. It's oh, It was just a, it's a summer thing. It is. That's right. what it was. And that's where it would always stay. It's summertime in New York City. And that's where I left that. And then when I went on the N one tour, that's the only time I did it. And guess when the tour was? In the summer. <laughs> right. And I left. Right. I mean, it might be tougher for a kid like Isaiah with social media when he's seeing comments all day. You know what I mean? You kind of could, could go home. Yeah, remember, remember this. You know what I mean? Remember this. You can only make it tough on yourself, bro. You see what I'm saying? That's true. It's only tough if you, if, you, if you feed into it. You got to clear your mind. That's for all of us. And not just Isaiah. I just put his name out there because he's intriguing. I love his movement. I love his jelly fan movement. I, I, I love it. You know what I mean? I, don't get it. I, would, I love it. I love it. That, too. I, love I love it too. But you got to keep your eye on the prize and the eye on the prize is to make it. If you're trying to, if you're playing this game, you want to go far. The, the biggest stage is the NBA. You know what I'm saying? I right. You can make it. It's just, dude, can you leave jelly fan where it's at and go ahead for these next five months, concentrate on what you got to do to help Minnesota and help yourself. And, I, and that's, right. I just, I'm not picking him out. It's for every New York City kid, every city, inner city kid. I mean, there's kids in Philly that might have a movement or Chicago or L.A. It's just you got to leave it where it's at and understand there's a different style of basketball, brand of basketball, you know, that you have to play. So for you, this is a great segue for you. What was the adjustment you made going from college to the NBA? What were some adjustments so people think it was adjustment. It was no real adjustment. Man. You know, when you're a student of the game, I just know how to play ball. You know what I'm saying? Right. I had I watch people, and that's the problem with these kids. It, the NBA is different, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like when I when I say I watch people, I was watching Isaiah Thomas, Rod Strickland, Mark Jackson. I watched Mark Price. I watched you name them, Pearl Washington. You the list goes on. So I watched so many players that were making it to the NBA, and I would take pieces from what they were doing, and that's what it you know. If you if you ever had a chance to ask some of the coaches, you ask the Van Van Gundy's, you ask uh, you can ask Lindy Wilkins, you ask any of these coaches I had, they'll tell you, man, Ray Austin's was smart, one of the smartest basketball players that they probably had, you know. So right, the only no. just I had to make was put more strength on because I was always a skinny, scrawny kid. I had to put more weight on. You understand what I'm saying? Right. I had I, to find, I had to work on my 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 range on my jump shot, right. But anything else, I don't need. There's no adjustment. I know how to run a team. I know how to pass the ball. I know how to throw a post pass. A lot of these kids can't throw a post pass. 
Yeah, I mean, people don't. People don't even play they never had to teach me Exactly. They never had to teach me how to throw a post back. They never had to teach me how to deliver the ball to a shooter when he's coming off the pin down. I know how to hit a head. I know how to get the outlet and hit a head. If somebody's head running in the lane, I know how to take less dribbles and just hit pass the ball head. It's just different things. I know how to defend. So a lot of people, right. you know, you got to think, like when I was playing ball coming up, a lot of people, even though it was Skip to my Lua, a lot of people said, man, Skip can't play in no NBA. He can't make it to no NBA. But they never understood why. Even some of my peers I played with and against, they never understood damn how he make it. The reason is I know the game. Right. So it wasn't just all ah, the behind the back, wrapping around my head, throw to no, I know how to play ball the right way. But that's that that's what they saw. That's what it was. That's what they saw. But they didn't really watch me relentlessly. And people that played against with me right. year round. Right, right, right. But you know. The majority of the people saw the tape and didn't get to see you full game. You know what I mean? Even when you, even when you were on the slam cover, like nobody know, nobody really knew who you were in a way, game wise. They knew like the mixtape. They knew the moves. They knew the aura around yeah. it, but they didn't really get to see. Yeah, absolutely right. Even coaches that I played for by the time. So by the time they really got to see you play, they're like, wait a minute. This guy is not no. This is all that stuff they talk about about him about the street ball. And he's more than that. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, you bounced around a little bit in the beginning, D-League, uh, in the NBA a little bit. Didn't really get your opportunity. But where was the first place you really got your chance to play play in the NBA? Places. One, Toronto, when I got called up from the D-League in the 10-day. I, I was only in the D-League for like a week. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe oh, okay, two okay. weeks. I, was, I, was, okay. I didn't even want to go. I was in New York City just working out, hanging out. Uh, God bless the soul. One of my closest friends, uh, Big Escalade, him and I was we was with each other like every day, and we were like, yeah, we were hanging out and playing. And then one day it, it got to December. It's like, man, Skip, what you gonna do, man? You gotta do something. You gonna go overseas? And then I got a call, call my agent <laughs> said, man, you wanna go to this D League team in, in in Alabama, Mobile, the Mobile Raptors. I said, you know what, man, I'm out. I went out there cold turkey, man. And I kept telling him, I kept telling my agent at the time, I'm like, look, man, I'm gonna go down here and destroy these kids. Man. Like I'm telling you. I'm going to destroy him. And I went down there and out there. I was averaging like 17, 18 points, six rebounds, eight assists. In I think a week and a half, I was called up. Man. I didn't even get my check down there. I left my check, I left my check with them people. I got called up to the Raps. I left the check there. Like, man, forget that. It was only like probably like – Man, tell like, <laughs> them to, tell, tell to send your check. Man. It was like $700 something. So I was like, man, I'm good. Because I mean, I was three, eight, and I was making six figures those three years. So I had it wasn't like I, was, I had some money put away. So I was like, man, I get that. They called me up, and we and we was getting paid like two days, something like that. I left the check in the mailbox. I said, man, forget it, man. I just took off. Well, it was a good, it was a good thing you went because it led to the Raptors. Yeah, sure. the Ten day, man. I was getting like twenty points of games. We only had like eight players, so everybody was hurt. So we, we perfect situation, perfect situation, perfect man. And then the whole Toronto was going crazy. Then the following year, I went to me with Stan Van Gundy. He he became the head coach, and then shit, he was playing me 29, 30 minutes off the bench. Now that was out yeah. for a full season. That was my big break for a full season. Right. And you play with a lot of teams. One of the better teams you play with was probably Orlando, would you say? The finals. But I, I think that I've had a lot of teams I've been on where we were we, we we it was some fine teams, man. Uh fine group. Right. First year in Miami, that was wonderful, man. We started they put us to be the worst team in the league. We ended up losing the Eastern Conference semifinals. So that was a wonderful team. And we had that was Dwayne Wade's rookie year, Lamar Odom. Uh, so we 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 was it, it was it was good to play with Lamar Odom man got us from Southside to Bay Queens right along with you, so it was good with two guys from Queens right 
be on the same team. Right. Uh, All you needed was Ron. You guys would have been straight. Uh, Ron's from Queensbridge, but you could find a great if Ron was with us too. Yeah, was that the year you hit? Was that the year you hit a three every game? I, I hit a, a three, at least one three pointer. Like at the time, it was a record for Miami. Sixty, sixty some straight game. Right, and that and that speaks to what you were saying before that it wasn't just the rah rah, the around the back, the handle. There was a lot more to your game right. that people didn't know about, and then they found out about probably in Miami. Yeah, yeah, man. The NBA is it's, it's, it's weird for certain people, man. You know, for me, I had to beat them at their game. They want to play this pick and roll. Slow down, methodical game. I show them I could do that, man, because that's where I come from. You know what I mean? Yeah, I come from a basketball. Right. You know, I come from New York City. That's what we do. We play basketball. You know, now I, I live in Houston, Texas now, and you got kids playing football, running track, and playing basketball. I'm like, man, your basketball skills going to be behind. Trust me. Right. Trust Especially me. in this day and age when kids are, kids are playing ball all year round. Your, your basketball skills will be behind. You go to places like Chicago, uh, New York City, and all the places where they playing basketball. You know what I mean? The basketball players play basketball. Everybody else go do what you want to do somewhere else. But the basketball, you don't see too many kids doing both in New York City, playing Pete, Pop Warner, and then going to play basketball. It's just you're not seeing them. Nah, we don't play too much football here. You know what I mean? The baseball players, I play a little, I play a little little league. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It came to basketball. If I had a basketball game and a little league baseball game, buy baseball. I was the same way. I was the exact same way. <laughs> I don't care if I, y'all need me. If we got a forfeit, I'm the last man that's got to help y'all play the game. If y'all might as well don't go because I ain't going because I, I was going to play basketball. In Orlando, man, you had a pretty good team. Can you speak to that situation that happened? Not It wasn't between you and Jameer, but you were playing great. They brought Jameer back. I think he was an all-star that year, and it was kind of a tough situation for everybody. You know, Can you speak to that? It was, it was, good. It was a good situation for us, man. You know um, – one thing about it is when you make it to the finals, it's once in a lifetime thing for most players and most teams. Like you don't, it's not extra stone you getting back there. So when he felt happy right. to come back, coach talked to us about bringing him back, and and that was wonderful about Stan Van Gundy. Now he told he brought he told us, look, we're gonna bring him back. Uh, but you know, I started every game. It wasn't about not starting. It was that when coach subbed me out. Coach is caught in a situation where, okay, when do I, how long do I leave Jamie out there and how long do I leave Austin out? So, I man, I tip my hat to my coach because it was just like, I, I know if I was a coach, I wouldn't even know what to do. <laughs> you know, right. my all-star point guard comes back and my team is already in the rhythm with the guy we just traded for to replace him until he comes back. So, it's a, it was a tough situation, man. And, 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 but I wouldn't, I would look, that was the greatest moment of my life in the NBA to make it all the way to the finals. Those guys on that team were wonderful. Uh, yeah. One of the better teams I've played on. And so I say teams as far as a group of guys uh, getting along and enjoying each other and being around each other. That was one group that I, I was like, wow, everyone got along. They embraced you. And it, it was just fun, man. It was just fun. You know, we, we lost. And, you know, till this day, I always think when I think about when I watch it, i like, man, I was so close to winning the ring. And I know them as an organization, a franchise, like, oh, we might have dropped the ball on that one back then. <laughs> so, yeah, but, but, but those guys, man, I love, I love Stan. I love Orlando, man. I can't, I can't wait to even get back there just to catch up with some of the guys and the organizations, people that work in the front office, man, to reminisce on those times. And it looked like you guys were having fun, for sure, when you were on the court. We had a lot of fun, man. We we're a better team than what people thought, and, and that proves to you to uh, tell everybody: don't listen to what these people say. 
about players and teams. Uh, when you listen to people on ESPN, you listen to writers and stuff, they do not know because they did not think we were going that far. They didn't think we were going to beat Boston. Right. They picked us Boston right. in the second round. We beat them at, in, in Boston game seven. And one thing I'll tell you about the NBA, the best team wins in the seven-game series all the time. In a five-game series, right. it might not happen because one team might get away with a win somewhere in there. But the best team in seven-game series will win all the time in the seven-game series. And we beat them in seven on a floor because we should have won in six. You know what I mean? But we beat them in seven. Right? Then we right. then we played Cleveland. We were heads. We were – I'm talking about we were better than Cleveland. We should have swept Cleveland. We beat them, right. beat them in six. But we should have swept them. There was a LeBron – there was a LeBron game two shot away from being swept. Yeah, he is the game. With no time, we got the buzzer to make it one-one going back. Then we 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 win both games at home, right? We go back there, we lose one, we end up finishing off in six at home. But we it should have been four. You, I mean, you guys had it was you, Turkoglu, Dwight Howard, Petrus. You guys had a squad. It was the mix. Man. It was it was a great mix, a great great mix of guys together, man. Right? No, Definitely. no concrete superstar. Dwight Howard was good. Dwight, I love Dwight. Dwight was he was still coming to his own. There was no real concrete superstar. The White was a star. Don't get it twisted. But I'm saying we had no concrete. He was no superstar then. Kind of like how Detroit was when they won. They had great players like Chauncey and Rasheed, but there was no like super superstar. Right. You know exactly. Right. And we all right. loved that role. We all, we all, we didn't care who scored and shot the ball. It was just that was a that's a phenomenal. That was you know you can't ask it much better because on most teams you got superstar players, star players. And everything is centered and catered around them. So sometimes you just keep coming down, giving them the ball, giving them the ball. You find yourself standing and watching. But with that team, it was more. Listen, we got star. We got we got guys that we don't mind taking big shots at in big moments. You know what I mean? Rashard Lewis could take a big shot. Turk could take the shot. We don't mind if Peaches takes the shot. I hit big shots. Then we always had we always had Dwight to lean on. That was the biggest thing. If it, it, all else failed, we just throw that ball to Dwight. So um. Life after basketball, man. It, it seems like you're good at this, man. Talking basketball. Why don't I? Uh, well, I basketball guess, all why don't man. I, Life after ball's been good, man. I do a little scouting for the Timberwolves right now. I coach oh, wow. AU teams out here in uh Houston. My my youngest, one of my youngest sons is playing right now. I coach him. He's in fourth grade. Uh, I got a solid fourth grade team. I got a solid uh fifteen under sixteen under teams. Uh, I think I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add. An, I'm trying to add another eleven and twelve under team. So. I'm just just giving back, man. I, I I would do the same if I lived in New York. I don't live in New York, but if I was in New York, you'll see a big Ray for All Elite program. And, and trust me, man, we'll. I'm in the gym with them, and I, I just get it going. Uh, you know, I love ball, man. Yeah, you know, I, I tell everybody, man. Uh, I don't know how the kids feel about basketball today, but growing up in New York City, like I just shared with you, you know, basketball saved a lot of our lives, man. You know, a lot of right. There's a lot of dudes I watch that my peers. They, I mean, they're coaching now. And I tell, right, I look right. at them, and I say, man, I hope they thank God for basketball, man, because I remember, I know where a lot of us come from. And if we weren't playing basketball, let's be clear and honest with ourselves, what would we be doing, man? Yeah, you know what I'm saying you, it's a blessing for sure. Biggie Small said it right. You, you either had a wicked jump shot, or you were swinging. You know, yeah, exactly. it, it for a lot of us, we don't have to broadcast it, but we got to be honest with ourselves, and you know, and sometimes you look in the mirror, man. I I just thank God for basketball, man, because it saved my life. So. What I do is, man, I stay around, I stay in the gym. You know what I mean? I make sure my son 
you know, it's hard for him because he's living the suburban life. You know, my <laughs> yeah, definitely. My son, I have an older son, but I have two young ones. But one of my kids, I just, I look, man. Since he, I'm right here with him, yo, every day, man. I don't care if I gotta take you. If I'm not taking you, go play some basketball. Go outside in the driveway and dribble your ball and just, just every day touch a ball, man. I, You're not gonna make it to the NBA. Let's get that. I was lucky. <laughs> you know, Dad, Dad, you, t- you told him that. I put in a lot of work. It's hard to make it to the NBA, man. You, you got a better chance. Of course, you got a better. A lot for a lot of these kids, they got a better chance hitting the power ball. I mean that. Well, your starting point has something to do with it, but of course, yeah, for a lot of kids, a better chance hitting the power ball. Think about this right now. Yeah. The kids that's trying to make the NBA. Think about all the things we don't touch base on. Seniors. This is some seniors averaging 19, 20 points per game. They won't get picked. Right. Why? They already got – it's already slotted. 15 to 16 freshmen are going to get picked. What about the 15 to 16 overseas play that they already got in their mind that they're going to pick? Right. 32, 31, 32 slots right there. It's only about 28 more. That's crazy. Sophomores, juniors. So think about that, bro. It is crazy. You know what I mean? Kids that's available every year for the draft. A lot. It's tons of them. That's in that pool that they can pick from. And there's always new. There's always a new group coming up yeah. right behind you. you know, man. So think about the seniors, juniors, and seniors. They getting eighty to. But you got freshmen after twenty one. So why would you pick the junior senior when you could pick the freshman? And he's younger and he got more upside, more years to go to keep growing this game. So it's 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 tough, bro. Yeah, they use that as a strike against you, as I said before. If you're a junior or senior, bad time. I remember staying all four years was the thing to do, and, and all that. I mean, now, yeah, stay four years for get your degree purpose, but for basketball purposes, I don't see the reason why you, like, you know, what I mean, staying all four years. I don't, I can't really see too much. Like, what are you gonna do on a college surface that you keep playing against younger kids every year? Right, right. I think the more- co- I think the cop. I think the, anything. Yeah, I think the college level was a little better when you were playing too. Like, like, like Zion. Like as you said before, Zion, RJ, and even Cam. Like they're just head and shoulders better than the players they're playing against. You know. And you gotta admit, you gotta admit too. A lot of us were true freshmen, true sophomore, true. A lot of these kids aren't true freshmen. They're, yeah. they're a lot of these kids are going to be they're fresh. You know how I many kids are reclassified. They don't did right. two, school. two extra years of schooling. You should be graduating high school. When I was grad, I graduated high school at seventeen. I was turning eighteen. And my birthday's in July, so I graduated. I finished high school at seventeen. So I'm turning eighteen as a freshman. These kids are going in the freshman as a nineteen year old freshman. That is crazy. So times yeah. have changed. Times has changed. You know what I mean? So you got a nineteen year old freshman. He'll turn twenty when he enters the NBA. We need to, yo. We need to skip to my loop podcast when you start in there. <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's a lot, man. But man, I appreciate you, man. I love, man. I I come on whenever y'all, you know, whenever we got time to do it, man. Anytime, man. Oh, I love it. You're always welcome back, Skip, man. Appreciate you. And is there anything more you want to say? You want to plug? You want to talk about your team? No. Anything else? Just look out for them kids, man. I know they got they, these kids are, should be finishing. They should be finished high school in 2027. Uh, okay. Gaucho, the Gauchos got a good 2017. The Rins got a good 2017. But look out for my RA Elite. 2027 team. Uh, my 16 on the team this summer. Look out for them. Uh, and shout out to New York City, everybody, man. I'm, even though I live in Houston, man, I'll always be a New Yorker for in my heart. And so I'm, I'm a New Yorker. Shout out to New York City for sure. And if you ever need to get anything off your chest, man, you can 
you're welcome back on Combo's Court. It was a great conversation. I really appreciate you being here, Skip. No doubt, man. Thank you, man. There it is, episode 36. Hope you enjoyed the show. Big shouts to Rafer for joining in. It would mean the world to me if you left a five-star rating and a friendly comment right on your Apple Podcast app. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast as well. Do me this favor, man. I don't ask for much, but do me this favor. Share this episode, man. Share it on IG, on Twitter, on Facebook. Share it with your friends, your family, your classmates, your teammates. Just share the episode, man. It would mean so much to me. Be on the lookout for episode 37, Combo Out.